This show brought to you by Circle of Seven Productions, www.cosproductions.com. Please be sure to subscribe and welcome to our circle. Hello, everybody. This is Patricia W. Fisher with Readers Entertainment Radio, and I am so excited to be talking to you guys today. Um, Finally, it's getting to be really beautiful weather here. It's springtime, my favorite time of the year. Despite allergies, I will say that um, allergies always kick my butt this time of year, but I love all the you know, rebirth and the flowers, and here in Texas, we have this big tradition um, where we all go get pictures out in the blue bonnets, so if you ever want to see just like a beautiful field of blue, um, just check out Texas Blue Bonnets, and it's in there all the time. People, it's kind of a traditional thing that a lot of Texans will go out and take pictures, um, and so we're very fortunate to have such a pretty flower as our state flower. A little bit of bragging about that. Something else I wanted to mention this month is colorectal cancer month. And so if you have anyone in your family that's over 50 or you're over 50 or you have a family history and you're over 40 or if you are having any concerning symptoms um, that are new to you, um, you need to go get checked out. Um, I promise you, I've had, I have a family history of colon cancer. So I was getting to uh, drink the, as my uh, family calls it, um, you know, go quickly. It's called go lightly is the, the stuff they, they give you. Um, we say go quickly because you're running very fast to the bathroom. Um, but it's the worst part is the prep. And once the prep is done, it's, it's really just very simple from that. You take a really, really, really nice nap. Um, and that's it. And they, you know, that's it. So, um, and a lot of times insurances will cover it uh, for after the age of 50 or if you're having issues. And if it doesn't cover or you don't have insurance, definitely talk to your healthcare provider. Sometimes they can, there's programs within the hospital systems um, and different grants are offered uh, for different uh, groups that will help people and a lot of times they'll also help you with a payment plan if need be but please don't put your health on hold um it's also women's history month so please if there's a woman you have you know always wanted to know about or um maybe just aren't you know want to find out about a a new woman in history you should look or look somebody up just say you know top 20 uh women in history i should know about and um, and there you go. And one of those women that I always think people should know about is Jane Austen because she has a truly amazing story. But to think that we're still telling her stories 200 years later, um, I mean, it's a huge deal that her voice and her storytelling spoke to so many and continues to do so. If not, I think she's as popular as ever. Um, you know, there's everything from candles to um, t-shirts to of course tons of of books that have been written by all sorts of artists and one of those artists or one of those really great authors is named um, uh, Rachel John and hold on one second Uh, let's see oh okay we're having a little bit of communication Um, okay hold on (laughs) Please hold. So um, anyway, we are going to have Rachel John on today. She is a, a um, an author that has written a ton of books. And um, 
we'll see how this plays out uh, for her to get on. I think we have a miscommunication, or I had a miscommunication of um, with um, her being on the show. I thought she was an hour behind, and maybe anyway. It looks like we have figured it out on uh, messaging here, so she's calling in here in just a minute. But let me get back to uh, my pre-rambling discussion here, uh, so my apologies. Uh, but, so Jane Austen wrote these amazing stories, Persuasion, Sense and Sensibility, um, Emma, and then, of course, Pride and Prejudice, which a lot of you have probably not even realized you've seen this, this story. Um, so Rachel wrote these amazing stories about uh, with all very Austenite type themes, and so we're going to talk to her today. And Rachel's here. Hey, Rachel, how are you? Hi, I'm here. <laughs> Yay! So I was talking a little bit, um, kind of in a little bit opening about Women's History Month, and I was saying one of the thing women that a lot of people should know just from pop culture references is Jane Austen, and how she's, you know, her stories have kept going 200 plus years later why do you think her stories yeah why do you think her stories have just really hit hit a nerve for so many um i was throwing you in the deep end of the pool as soon as you get here yeah (laughs) (laughs) so i i'm a part of several different jane austen groups i just like to see what people think about different things and people from all over the world and they just love her books um she has so many witty and profound things that she says and even among her books they're not all the same some are very satirical some are um a little more playful but um Mm -hmm. she has both serious and really hilarious things to say and i've just found that they really transfer well to any time period in fact my husband and i watched um modern persuasion last night on Mm -hmm. tv it was a movie And it was so modern, like almost I didn't catch all the references, but it had all the elements there from Persuasion, and I just really enjoyed seeing all the things that they pulled from it. It's it's really impressive. I mean, I think one of the big things that, of course, everyone loves the Elizabeth Bennett and Darcy relationship, but I think that a lot of it is because, you know, we've all – been told you know you all not all but I mean you know a lot of of women growing up going oh you want to go after this guy or you want to oh if a guy merit you know offers to marry you should say yes type thing and and Mm -hmm. um and she and Elizabeth's like "Mm, no (laughs) and we know that this is not financially um the greatest move for her but she's like I'll be okay I mean she just like owns it so early yeah and yes. for women to have done that um, at that time, it's just like, what? Are you kidding? That's just crazy talk. Yes. And then there's debates because she has different types of, of heroes. So one I have, I'm not as familiar with, but a lot of people online debate about Fanny Price because she's this very quiet religious woman, but she stands mm-hmm. up for her convictions. And some people really like her and some people really hate her. But she's kind sure. of this opposite of Elizabeth Bennett. So she she has both. I love Elizabeth Bennett. She's very spunky. And she's got this family that she kind of uh, soldiers on. And, and she admires the qualities in her sister, Jane, who is very positive and very hopeful. And she's not. But they kind of complement each other. And, and I love that, the relationships that she pulls out and the things she sees in people. I think that's what people love about Jane Austen is she really studied characters 
She's been yeah. people. Yeah, a lot of people watching, I'm sure. Yes, for sure. <laughs> so when you were starting out, so the, the, the big thing here, and, and I was reading your biography and it was saying, or your bio, and it was saying that you started out storytelling really by telling um, your younger sister stories to get her to go to sleep. Um, when you were doing that, was it the same story or you'd kind of come up with the same format or was it, okay, today we're going to add on to the story I started with yesterday? How did you, how'd you come up with things? Hmm. Um, I think they were always different, but I would try and keep them going. Like I remember there would be times when I'd look over and she'd be asleep and I'd be disappointed because the story was alive <laughs> in my mind and now I no longer had right. an audience for it. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I always had stories in my head growing up and I love to read, but I also love to just come up with stories. Yeah. So were you the one were you one of the kids that would take like a huge bag of books to I mean bag to the library to like stuff it in and get through the summer reading list like super fast? Oh, I love the library. I grew up in Mesa and they have a, mm-hmm. a really uh quirky, awesome building there and I I loved going through there and I I usually check out like all the babysitters club books, you know, cuz there's like mm-hmm. 200 of them. And but I love the classics too. I read all the Anna Green Gables, pretty much anything by L.M. or yeah, L.M. Montgomery. Um, and what else? Uh, Where the Red Fern Grows was one of my favorites. I loved um, right. Heidi, and I loved The Secret Garden. My grandma um, would send me books in the mail all the time that she liked. Um, she sent them to all her right. grandkids, but yeah. So it's definitely something that I just grew up with. We always had books in the house. Um, yeah, so I do. I, I buy my kids pretty much whatever book they want because <laughs> it keeps right. them quiet. And I have some kids that really enjoy reading and some that I just buy them comic books because that's that's really what they want to read. They don't really want anything yeah, more serious, and, and that's okay too. Yeah, I mean, you know, I had to kind of get over myself a little bit about graphic novels because mm-hmm. um, my two, I have four, and my two middle ones, had more trouble with reading and uh you know part of me is like no we need to read you know read read Mm -hmm. and a friend of mine's like look if they're willing to read just let them read whatever they're willing even if it's the back of of labels of the macaroni box you know i mean whatever Mm -hmm. um just let them and they needed the visual cues for that um to know what was going on better in the story so and now like my daughter she said um, can we, she's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I was still up. I was reading. And I was just like, oh my God, it happened. You know, (laughs) (laughs) she was reading. Um, and finally that, yeah, like you're saying, you know, they just let them read whatever they can or Mm -hmm. want to. It's huge. So when you were growing up and you were, um, you know, telling your stories, when did you start writing things down? like making notes to yourself? Oh, I cried away. Like um, there's this one, my mom was really good about keeping all my little drawings because sometimes the stories were in my head and I was just drawing pictures. And there was one where I just wrote the squiggles out as words before I knew how to write. And But I okay. remember the story from it. <laughs> um, and then when I, about second grade, I started um, taking little notebooks and then I would like, put the pages together with ribbon and I'd have a little story. Um, but the first time I really attempted to write a novel, I was probably like 16 and it was on one of those hard discs that I 
I would take me a while to find something to play it, and I, it wouldn't be any good. So it's one of those novels that will never see the light of day, and I probably wrote half of it. It was a Western, which I don't write, so. <laughs> well, I mean, you're in Arizona. That kind of makes sense for a little bit of a Western. Yeah. There's a lot of influence out yeah. there, for sure. <laughs> but, but yeah, I think we all have at least one, if not multiple, novels we all started, and that will never, mm-hmm. ever, ever, ever see the light of day, like ever. <laughs> Um, yeah, I remember writing one and then, um, it was a floppy disk and that I was at college and so I was writing and I was thinking it was so, so good. And I just cringe mm-hmm. to look at it now. I just don't even, I know I printed it. It's in a binder stuck in my mm-hmm. closet somewhere, but I'm actually kind of afraid to look at it. But then I'm afraid if I don't, <laughs> I could be some just small bits, nuggets that might be good. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, that's when I was going to write the next James Bond series because that's what was my deal. For sure. Cool. Um, yeah, why not, right? Because um, mm-hmm. I kept saying to my aunt, I'm like, I need to see if I can, you know, get in this group and see if I can write, you know, these James Bond books. Maybe they'll let me write one. And my aunt says, why don't you just write your own? And I, I thought, well, that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> we can do that. Oh, my gosh. And so when did you sit down and say, I've got all these stories. I should do something with this. Like so, after I'm like I'm a hard learner, so <laughs> I had a bunch of different odd jobs, and I was always writing stuff down. But I had like no, um, I'm trying to think of the word. I didn't have the discipline for it. So if mm. I ever even told anybody I was writing, they'd follow up and ask me, and I'd be like, oh shoot, they're asking because I knew I had made no progress. So my <laughs> first novel took me like six years to write, and it's. Mm-hmm. It's not very good, and I went back and revised it. It's still not my best stuff, but it's you know it was a good first novel. But the problem was I was writing scenes out of order as they would come to me. And now I've learned I'm a very chronological writer. I just can't do that. It's it's too hard to piece things together afterwards. It's just I know some people write that way, but I can't. Um, and so I had my sister read that one, but that was it. And of course, that's another mistake. So many newbie mistakes. But um, <laughs> I knew about the Amazon platform, and I had submitted little short stories and things to publishers before just to kind of to test the waters. But once sure. I realized, oh, I could do this myself, I think I, I put up like a nonfiction title, like um, Baby Names or something, just to kind of see how, how the publishing worked, to see what the platform was like. And that was back in the days when you could put up anything and anybody would buy it. And I wish I had more craft skills back then and had joined writers groups and things. But by the time I figured that out, a lot of people, a lot more people were in it. So sure. I've been in there a long time, but it took me a while to figure everything out. And, you know, I joined um, a group called Clean Indie Reads on Facebook. It's still there. And I, I think I initially joined it as like, hoping to market my book and then I got on there and realized no they're going to show me how to write a book um and so Facebook groups have just been amazing for that you don't market your book to other authors you you collaborate and you work together so right cross promotion every every newbie mistake I made though for sure well, but see, here's the thing, and I always tell people, um, and, and talking to people, and they're like, oh, you know, this, I don't know if I can do it. or and, and it's like, well, nobody just got up and started walking one day. I mean, we all fall down and hit our face. and um, mm-hmm. But you're so much farther along than people are like, you know, I always wanted to write a book. Um, or I did write a book, and it's under my 
said and no one will ever see it. Yeah. I can't, I can't yeah. write another one. You know, it's, it's just too hard. Um, so much farther along than so many people that just never take that step. Um, so, yeah, I think that's, that's wonderful. I mean, and I'm so glad writers groups have, have been great for you. Um, which, mm-hmm. which groups are you part of now? Um, so I've been in different critique groups, just small groups of anywhere from like three people up to like 12 or 20. And they just come mm-hmm. and go because people have different things going on in their lives and different speeds at which they're writing. Um, so I, I, I have some people I know I can call on. We usually we'll email each other and be like, Hey, do you have time to read this? Um, so I have a group of like four girls that, we let each other know when we have something and if we have time to read it for each other, we do. Or if we have a question about, hey, I'm thinking about this title or this cover, what do you think? And I have a couple yeah. different groups of that. Um, um, so I follow the writing gals and I get a lot of good feedback from that. Um, and then we have a Facebook group called um, Clean Rom-Com Readers and we take turns posting in there, but we also have Clean Rom- Rom-Com Writers and uh or authors, clean rom-com authors, and we'll we'll trade um, newsletter swaps and uh, and advice in there about you know where should I promote this this new book that I have or what do you think about this site for authors? So yeah, Facebook. I have a little bit of, of family stuff on there and a little bit of friend stuff, but mostly I use it for for writing. Oh, for sure. And the amount of time that it can save you. And heartache, and of course money. Um, yes, it can save you to be part of those groups is massive. It's 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 just almost impossible to keep up with every single thing that you need to know to be mm-hmm. a writer. Just just it's yeah. tremendous amount of information. So yeah, it's always great to have um, writers who have your back. I mean, it just it makes a huge difference. So you have your newest book out right now, Dashing into Disaster, an Austin-inspired romantic comedy, and it's a take on Sense and Sensibility, where you bring Eleanor and Mm -hmm. Edward together in a brand new way. So tell us about this book. Okay, so when I knew I was going to take this on, I reread Sense and Sensibility, and usually I do that through reading it, but also through listening to it, and then watching the different versions that they have of it and then trying to think about which elements are going to work for me. So in the original, Edward doesn't have a whole lot of screen time. He's not around. Um, And some of that's on purpose because he is um, secretly engaged to this girl that he met when he was very young. And once, and that was part of it is the time period in the culture he he came from, you, you didn't break an engagement. If you weren't in love with someone, you still married him. So as today, it's very different. You would, you would not stay engaged to someone like that. So I had to come up with my own scenario of how he could be secretly engaged and why. And then I had yeah. to create kind of a new role where he would be around. So I made him her across the street neighbor just for fun and then also her boss. <laughs> but okay. um, yeah, so he's, he's there for just about every scene, which you really need in romance. Uh, the readers are there to see the two interact and, um, and Lucy Steele, she is just, despicable wonderful character (laughs) um, I love the feedback I've gotten on her and she was just so much fun to write because this girl that he's engaged to in Jane Austen's version she seeks Eleanor out knowing Eleanor has this connection with him and tells her about her secret engagement and just 
and confides in her constantly against Eleanor's will. Like Eleanor's like, I never signed up to be this confidant. Why is she doing this? And she is, and in a lot of ways, she's torturing her on purpose. And so I really wanted to take that element and and use that. Um, she she was engaged in my version. She was engaged to Edward for real, and then he realized this is not going to work out. And she had already been writing a relationship book about them and shopped it around and sold it. Wow. And so she's like, no, we need to, we need to keep this going. And so they agreed to, you know, in public be together. And then when her book comes out, they'll break up, but it's taking forever. And <laughs> he meets Ellen. Oh, wow. Time. So, you know, it, this was the, you know, Sense and Sensibility, the one with Alan Rickman and, um, uh, Kate Winslet and Emma Thompson mm-hmm. and, and, and like that was the last movie I got to see with my grandmother before she passed away. And I just remember how beautifully done it was. It was just this really gentle um, take. And it was very, mm-hmm. it was, it was interesting too, because Alan Rickman, um, you know, he had done Quigley and Die Hard and um, yeah. Robin Hood. And then he did that movie truly madly deeply. And a lot of fans weren't totally in love with it because they were waiting for him to like blow something up or, you know, um, (laughs) and he played this really loving man. Um, and then, you know, I don't see him for a long time. And then he walks in as Colonel Brandon. And I was like, Oh, wow. You know, just, um, it was such a lovely role for him. Mm -hmm. Um, I just, it just really was. And then of course, then a lot of people grew up seeing him as Snape after that. Um, but wow, you know, just it was a it was such a a cool um, a cool character for him to play, for sure. Yes. It was just beautifully cast. And then yeah, I just um, every when we we just had the freeze here in um, San Antonio last month, and as we're freezing in our house because um, it the temperatures were like down to the 40s, we didn't have any heat for like two days. Um, I was thinking of that scene in Sense and Sensibility when they're freezing in that house and she gets up, she's like, your feet are cold. And so she gets up to put on socks. Remember, they don't have, um, they don't have enough coal or whatever for the fire. I mean, it's like, well, I can't even imagine how cold it was. And yeah, in the countryside of, of England uh, during those times. So I did not complain because I had very good socks. Um, so yeah. So you've got these characters. Have they appeared, for your people who are finding you just now, um, have they appeared in previous books? Or is, is are I, each of your books separate? They are separate. So I set okay. them all in California but they don't have any other links besides being Jane Austen and, and the location. Um, okay. And I know some other authors, Gigi Bloom, she writes Austen modern day um, rom-coms and hers are connected. She connects her characters, but Jane Austen's weren't. And I liked having the freedom to just uh, do with them as I liked without worrying about trying to connect them um, to other characters. I have other stories right. that are connected. I know. Um, I don't know. I just, didn't for this one. Well, and that's the beauty of what you're doing when you're, especially when you're doing indie, because um, you've got two or three series, so you can mm-hmm. do one for one and something else for someone else. Yes, for sure. 
So what is your – so you've got Engaging Mr. Darcy, Emma the Matchmaker. Um, you've got um, Anonymously Yours. You've, I mean, you've got all these great books. I mean, when um, – what is on the – you know, what's coming? What are you working on for the next book? So I was I had just sent out a newsletter this morning, and I'd forgotten about it because I set it up ahead of time. And my readers are asking me, okay, what's the title of this book that you're talking about? Because I've just been referred <laughs> to by it's Clay and Lauren's story, and <laughs> I have to decide on a title for this. Um, but the the series name is going to be Sworn to to Loathe You, and it's going to be all enemies to lovers books. And um, I've already got most of them plotted out, and it's just been so much fun. Um, because it's this kind of rough family and they uh they do uh large equipment rental so like cats mm-hmm. and uh bobcats and excavators and um he's grown up with them and he's always been in love with the daughter but he's best friends with her brother and his and her dad is his boss and so he's always kind of felt trapped into this buddy role and just kind of right. teasing her along with everyone else um and then that one, I am going to have it connected. So then I have a roommate that has this ongoing battle with her carpool partner, and that's going to be book two. I just have to come up with some titles for these. So <laughs> <laughs> usually that's kind of the first thing that comes is the title, and it just did not this time. So so do you brainstorm, do you sit down and go, I want to write about this and brainstorm the title before you even start, or do you just say, I'm going to write this idea and then figure it out the title as you write. I think there's only been one time where the they call it the blurb, but the little description, you know, the three paragraphs or or whatever that describes your book that you use on your author or on your uh, book page. Um I've written one of those before I wrote the book, but usually I just the characters will kind of come to me and usually there's a specific scene like beginnings are my jam. I can write a beginning of a book all day long and then okay. I get into that murky middle and I have to sit and think about it because I am a, a panster or a, sometimes I call a discovery writer where I try and plot, but then my characters are like, no, we're not going to go that route. We're going to go this route. And I can't right. continue until I figure out what it is that's supposed to happen next. Um, so that's just my method. So usually I'll have two books I'm working on at, at once because once I get stuck on one, I, I don't want to write until I know which direction I'm going because I'll just, I'll, right. it'll feel wrong if I try and force it and I'll be like, this is garbage and I'll have to go back to the point where I knew I was where I, where I should be and then work from there. Um, but yeah, so that's, I'm almost done with that one and I've been trying to, to figure out this last scene <laughs> So this book has oh, been, man. you know, three quarters of the way finished for a little while, but I have time. I try and give myself time. Um, yeah. And with COVID, things have been slower. So I'm not writing like four books a year like I was trying to do before. So. Well, yeah. Um, I, I have friends that just really hunkered down and just used writing as an escape. And then mm-hmm. I have friends that have had absolutely like no no inkling of creativity during all this. So, um, yeah, it's just kind of trying to find your balance, and everything got really out of whack last year for sure. Yes, my kids just barely went back to school. They were doing school from home, all four different computers. Um, Yeah. 
pretty much all of last year, so and, and most of this year, and they just barely went back. So, same, yeah. Um, <laughs> it was an interesting process because I don't know if you had this issue, but um, it was hard for them to stay engaged in class. I mean, the teachers were just working their butts off. Um, but, you know, when you walk by your, and your kid is suddenly pressing the screen really quickly um, or like, oh, yeah, I was in class. It's like, no, you weren't. You weren't. Um, yeah, I just felt like I just go in circles around my house monitoring. <laughs> yeah, like, well, you know, oh, sure, I can get this project done while they're in school. Oh, yeah, no, I can't because they're mm-hmm. not staying in class. <laughs> <laughs> next to them the whole time. Oh, I'm so thankful it's not just me. <laughs> not that I hope that for anyone, but oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I had slated dashing into disaster to come out about November, and nope, came out in March. So, well, and I think is. a lot and of people are that's feeling that. The nice thing that, about yeah. being indie is you just you just push it back, you just make things work. So I took a whole bunch of rain checks on people that were going to promote things for me, and said, I'll get back to you and. They were great about it. So, mm-hmm. oh, I know, I know. It's it's um it's been an interesting time. So, but I'm so glad that you've got your stuff out because you've got all these great books and you know fun and escapism and um you know everybody decides what's the comfort level regarding romance. You mm-hmm. feel you picked clean in the sense of no, there's no there's. There's kissing, but there's not a sex scene and, uh, mm-hmm. on the page. Is there one at all? I mean, it's like closed door or next day, like fade to black? Or is, I mean, how um, does that work for your books? Sometimes in my epilogue, like if they're married, I'll do that. But no, I don't, I don't normally put any in. That's just kind of my comfort level for reading. Like, sure. Like innuendo jokes, I, I can uh, eat those up all day. And in, in the books that I read, I do a little bit in, in mine, but... Um, but yeah, the, I don't do a whole lot of closed door or fade to black or anything like that unless they're married. So I just have yeah. the fun of them getting together and, uh, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's all about the journey for sure. Mm-hmm. Like how do these people get there? Um, cause we know they're going to get there. We just know how it's going to happen. So that's, that's so much fun. Who has for been sure. your favorite character to write about so far? Oh, my word. I have a tendency to write really fun side characters and then try to not let them steal the show. So mm-hmm. um, <laughs> I love having side characters that can just say anything they want. And my latest one, mm-hmm. that was um, Eleanor's Two Sisters. Um, in my book, I called Margaret, I called her Greta, and then Marianne. And they <laughs> they just say outrageous things. And... Um, who else? I don't know. All my Austin characters are really loved. So in um, Persuading the Captain, um, Captain uh, Benwick is like this lovelorn, sad friend, and he's that way in, in Austin's version. And I had a lot of fun making him the friend because he, he and Anne just really hit it off. And so that was a fun friendship to elaborate on in my version, and I really liked yeah. him. Has there, has there been a character that's just been, um, you plan to write about them a certain way and they were just being unruly and not cooperating, so you had to change it? Um, definitely for mistaken identity. Anytime I've used mistaken identity, my characters are like, nope, not going to lie about it that long. 
<laughs> then I have to try and figure out, okay, well, if they reveal this truth at this point, what's, um, what's that new conflict? Um, and so um, in one of my books, he had lied about uh, this girlfriend. He, he's always kind of been friend zoned and he would walk her out to her car after work and um, she was always dating someone. And so he just said, you know, that he was dating someone. And then later was like, why did I do that? Um, and I had planned on him carrying that through and the character, it just wasn't him. So he had to tell her. And so she came up with her own interpretation of why he would make it up. So she thought he had made up a girlfriend to keep her at arm's length when really oh. he had done it because he was embarrassed about never dating anyone. So that was fun to try and throw that, that trope on its head. Um, yeah. And, and change it up a little bit. So for wow. sure, sometimes yeah. my characters, I tell them, no, you're going to do this. And they're like, nope. Mm-mm-mm-mm. And it's, you know, I've mentioned it before on the show, but it is so nice to have author friends for this very reason, because I think it's important for us to be able to say, so my characters aren't um, you know, doing what they're supposed to do. And if we mention that to people who don't, you know, they understand what we're getting, but they don't really understand it. And so yeah, they don't, yeah. when you say that, they're like, oh, I don't get it. They're fake. They're not real people. You just make them do what yeah. you want. I'm like, uh, no, no, that's uh, it's really not how it goes. Um, so yeah, <laughs> it's, it's always it's always fun to and to to talk to people that that get it. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. That will say, oh well, have you tried? Blah 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 blah. Um, and that's always the fun of writer friends and brainstorming and that kind of thing. Um, so you've got more books coming out. Are you still, you said you're going to still try to do the four books this year, or are you going to, what do you think? um, I always try and get out a Christmas book, and those are usually Mm -hmm. a little bit shorter. And that series, I I redid the covers, and they just keep selling. It's not Christmas time. And I'm like, all right. So um, I usually start writing that around September or October, somewhere in there. Um, And, Clay and Lauren's untitled book is almost done, and I'd like to get one more in that one. So that would make four. I'd be happy with okay. four. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Sure. Is this? Um, do you have a goal like, okay, I'm going to write this many books, or I'm going to finish this series? It's going to be this long. Um, are you just going to write until you know the end of time? <laughs> oh, I see all these authors with all these huge ambitious goals, and I'm like you crazy like the you know and they do it and I totally get why they do it because I have the same amount of time as they do and I know I I waste time and I sit there and and procrastinate um so I would love to write books until the end of time um but I don't have any like specific I'm going to get this many words out a day I just try Mm -hmm. and when I have time I'm I'm going to try and I want to get this scene if I can get my characters to the next scene sometimes my characters are stuck in the same scenario, and I'm like, I just need to get them to the next day, or I need to get them over to um, this place, because then I get fresh ideas about what they're doing after that. Right. So usually, um, like, I don't have a word count or a chapter count. It's just, I'd like to get them over to this portion where they're going to be doing this, and when, once I do that, then I'm satisfied with what I've written for the day. Yeah. I mean, everybody, it's, it's just so cool to see everybody's different techniques and what works. Um, and it just everybody's just got their own thing and how they get their creative outlet going for sure. Mm-hmm. So 
where do you most find inspiration for your um, for your stories? Hmm. Like, is there any particular place um, you go? I've thought about this question because I hear it a lot, and I don't know yeah. that there's anything specific. Like, if I am doing, and this is why when I was um, working different jobs, anytime you're doing a task that requires your your motor movement but not your mind, my mind mm-hmm. will go and start thinking about my characters. So driving, showering, doing mm-hmm. dishes, um, listening shopping. to music. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah. songs will inspire me. Conversations, little snippets of conversations I hear. Um, scenarios of just things that happen. I think, oh, wouldn't that be funny if or that would be a good situation to put my characters in. What has what has know. been the most um, unexpected input from from readers? Like um, like a character you didn't expect to get that much attention or, or what have you. What what has been your biggest surprise? Hmm. Oh, that's a good question. And then I'm I'm trying to think. Um Um I don't know. Like um I have readers that that will ask me questions and I'll interpret something some way and they'll interpret it totally different. So I had mentioned that I wanted to do Northanger Abbey next and that I wanted to make it just a little bit spooky just for fun. And in my mind, I'm thinking spooky, like um, she has this overactive imagination and the reader's like, is it going to be paranormal? And I said, no, absolutely not. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, So sometimes I'll have to reread something that I, I wrote and, say, oh, that could totally be interpreted a different way. Um, but the characters, yeah, um, I got good feedback on Caroline Bingley and Georgiana, uh, Darcy's sister, and I hadn't really thought about them, but I liked, readers really responded to those two. Have you had a character that um, people said, well, what about, when are you writing this story? And you're, you're saying, I had no plans to write that story. I do have people ask if I'm going to write about another character, and sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. So I have a side mm-hmm. character named Tyson from uh, Bethany's New Reality, and I loved writing about reality TV, even though I actually don't read that much of it. But they just didn't sell as well. That was my older mm-hmm. books, and so I just kind of set those aside. And I would love to write about Tyson, but it's probably never going to happen. But, yeah, a lot of people said, oh, I'd love to hear about him. So what was your favorite reality show when you were writing um, about Bethany, Bethany series? So I don't know. I didn't really watch a ton of The Bachelor, but I liked some of the quirky, weird ones that came around that, like – there was this one called, I think it was Secret Prince, where they found all these, these royalty around oh, yeah. the world and set them up on dates. And they were so awkward, like so socially awkward. Um, and the Secret like Millionaire, Millionaire one, all of those. Yeah, yeah Joe Millionaire. Yeah. That was, yes, I watched, I unfortunately watched all of that. <laughs> but, and I loved, I loved awkward situations that they, they would be thrown into. And you just, yeah, where they weren't expecting it. Yeah. Um, I guess the less, they're all scripted, but the less um, formatted ones where it was like it, you could just tell this was some experiment someone came up with and somehow sold it. <laughs> but yeah. Not extra seasons of them. 
Well, and I always wondered, like, some of the of the batch. I mean, I don't. Have, I think I've watched one episode of The Bachelor because um, I was just like, uh, I can't do this. Um, and then I did watch Joe Millionaire because I was just morbidly fascinated. Uh, yeah. But still, it was amazing to me how quickly. And I know part of it is show, um, so I know it wasn't you know canon. But I mean, there was just some, how how people were like, well, I'm like this, and I'm you know I get anything I want. Blah blah. blah. I'm thinking. Do you think that makes you attractive? <laughs> sure, what's going on here? <laughs> because if I were a guy, I'd be like, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, thank you. So, wow. I don't know. I, I Maybe they're testing their acting chops. I'm not sure. But it's it's always very interesting what people think people will like. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, there's just people editing constantly oh, for the, yeah for that's shows. what I was going to say was I'm, I'm always fascinated with the editing angles that they do and you know you could be one thing and they're going to edit you to be something else so oh for sure yeah um I think I read years ago when they first had Survivor the very one of the very first reality shows um they said they had to make conflict like because mm-hmm. um, everything was really, really, really boring. Like everyone was just kind of sitting yeah. around waiting for like the next thing to happen. So yeah, it's um, they. But of course, reality TV is super cheap to produce. So mm-hmm. um, so yeah, it's that's I'm amazed at how much it's taken off and how um, people really feel like it's real. But it's you know it's not. So yeah very interesting stuff um so i'll just stick to baking shows because at least i can see food (laughs) we know somebody made that cake yeah (laughs) oh well yeah so so if someone wants to find you they can find you at your website amazon page facebook great goodreads and instagram i've got all those links in the write-up of the show and i've also got um your link to your latest dashing into disaster and we have about two minutes left so can you give us a quick rundown of your bethany series i know that you said it's kind of on the back burner but it's there and you've got several books there mm-hmm. so give it a I mention i just redid fast. the covers on those <laughs> I was yeah. yesterday because like i just can't give up on my old books they're like your children so um yeah yeah so um bethany's new reality was um that was the second book I wrote. And that was the first one I wrote in a critique group and got really good feedback. And it was just, it was really back when I didn't really think about audience much. And there's something kind of freeing about that, about just letting your imagination create whatever you want and not worrying about reader expectations. Um, And it, and I, the feedback that I get is that was fun, but that was really weird. (laughs) Oh, I'm okay with that. It is kind of a weird book, the dating reality show, but they get there and, um, They've put them in these shabby apartments with this wardrobe that's like from a thrift store and they give them chores and it's like they were going expecting this glamorous experience and it's not. Oh, and then everyone's instead of um, all these these men they picked out, they mined their backgrounds and pulled everyone's exes. And so they're fighting over each other's exes on the show. Um, oh, God, that's hysterical. That, that <laughs> so these is, books you know what? It would sell. Alone. Yeah. It would sell. I'm, you know, people love the drama. Yeah, so, the show. Yeah, I would love to turn sell. it into a real show. All of mine, I would love to. So that was book one, and none, there, none of them are connected. I just really had this 
reality TV stint where I just liked writing about it. So book two is not related to book one at all, except by theme. And book two yeah. is called Matchmaker for Hire. And in this one, um, he's this, he used to be on one of those gossip celebrity shows where they kind of like TMZ, where they just talk trash about all these celebrities. And then um, he kind of decided he was tired of that life and he was embarrassed about it. And so he comes up with his own TV show concept and um, he helps women find love like one at a time. I'm trying to think of a comp for that, but um, you know, he sets them up on dates and then at the end they kind of pick who they like and he helps them with their journey and growth. But he runs into this woman who um, was married to a politician who was unfaithful to her, and she was kind of all in the news because she didn't support her husband. She just basically aired it all out on live TV. Um, And so she had all these cameras on her, and she hid away. And then her friend um, gets picked to go on this show of his, and they have to face each other after he said these things about her that he's embarrassed about. And uh, there's this chemistry between them, but it's just so unlikely because he feels like there's this ticking time bomb of as soon as the media realizes we're dating, they're just going to eat this up. And they do. And so that's book two. My third one is called Gorgeous and the Geek. And again, it's reality TV. And this one's a talent competition one. And in this one, um, she's encouraged to date one of her co-stars to drum up ratings. And of Mm -hmm. course, I'm thinking about like, when they said Paula Abdul was, was dating Simon or um, in the... Oh, yeah, that's right. Anyway, Randy. But all the ones yeah. where they, they make these rumors about so-and-so's dating so-and-so. And so she's supposed to date someone. So she's like, well, I'm going to pick. And so she picks this, this judge. He's supposed to be the mean judge, and he's kind of nerdy. And they work together on a different show, and she really trusts him. But she doesn't think she's actually going to fall for him. And, of course, they do. So Fun. Yeah. Wow. They're just really, I mean, really you know, fun to write. So. Oh, for sure. And something a little bit different than the Austin books too, which, but it's still the same because, you know, the angst and the finding out who each other is and all that stuff, that's just a common theme. Yeah. Yeah. Romance is just so fun to write. Really. Is. It is. <laughs> it is so much fun. Well, thank you so much for being here today, Rachel. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And if you want to find Rachel, you can go to her website, Amazon page, Facebook, Goodreads, and Instagram. They'll, all those links are in the write-up of the show, as well as the link for her latest book, Dashing Into Disaster, an Austin-inspired romantic comedy. Keep on reading, everybody. This has been Patricia W. Fisher with Readers Entertainment Radio. This show brought to you by Circle of Seven Productions, www.cosproductions.com. Please be sure to subscribe and welcome to our circle.